This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. We're so excited to introduce you to Great Jones. Great Jones makes high-quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that's so stunning, you won't want to put it away. They have everything from Dutch ovens to ceramic dishes to non-stick sheet pans. They've got everything you want. I have the Saucy, which is a terrific saucepan. It has curved sides. It has a pouring spout. It has a lid. And it looks so elegant. It's really a pleasure just to look at it on the counter, even before we're using it. Yes, I love all the colors. Yeah. They make stunning gifts that are actually useful. Weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays. It's the perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code HAPPIER. That's greatjones.com, promo code HAPPIER. Hello, we're here for More Happier, a podcast where we get more happier. Hey, Elizabeth. Hi, Gretchen. Uh, Today we'll talk about a Beatles documentary that we love, Get Back, and we will talk about how to get more reading done. So, Elizabeth, what's something making you more happier? I am more happier about the fact that I'm about to go to Puerto Rico. So I'm doing season two of Fantasy Island, as you know, as I talk about constantly, and I'm leaving in a few days for Puerto Rico for several weeks, and I'm excited to go on an adventure Yeah, because I realize I just need these adventures periodically. I need to just leave and be doing something completely different. Now, granted, I've been there before, so it's not as big of an adventure as it was season one, which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice to go on an adventure where I actually know the people and all of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're staying at a different resort. We're shooting somewhere different this year. And after just being home so much, I'm really looking forward to... Just leaving, sort of getting on the plane and flying away. Well, I wonder if that's one of the things that attracted you to TV writing is like you do have a very adventurous career. Like it's constantly a new job and new people and you'll have you play you've played different roles. And uh, there's just like a lot of change in your job, much more than a lot of people's. Yes. And you know, one thing about me, Gretch, is I am not one who's going to say, oh, let's just fly to Europe and get on a train and see where we end up. Or I'm not going to research and do all this. Yeah, I'm not adventurous in that way. What I think I like about this is that I have other people doing the planning. Like I like going (laughs) somewhere and having to work there because yes, I do see a lot. I do experience a lot, but it's like someone else is setting an agenda. And I think that I really like that kind of adventure rather than me setting the path. Obviously I'm going to miss Adam and Jack and Nacho, but they'll be fine. So I don't know. I'm just like ready. Right. Yeah. You're ready for an adventure. Yeah. I think the sameness of this time is one of the things that's, yeah. 
Yeah. Hard. Of course, last year when I left, I was like, oh, I never want to go back. Yeah, Not because yeah. I don't love Puerto Rico, but because I was so exhausted. Yeah. It was so, so intense. Yeah. You know, yeah. you forget. Yeah. You forget. And maybe you need a little recovery time between adventures. Yes, definitely. <laughs> All right, Gretch, what is making you more happier? Oh, I'm more happier because of the night hours at the Met. You know, oh. So I go to the Metropolitan Museum every day that it's open. So I'm yes. intimately familiar with its hours. For instance, it's closed on Wednesdays. Mm. And a couple of times I forgot that it was Wednesday and I went over, trucked over there and then wow. found that the doors were closed. But if you go on Friday or Saturday, it's open till 9 p.m. instead of 5 p.m. Usually it closes oh. at 5, which really means at like 4.45 they start kind of rounding you up and trying to move you to the door. But if you go on Friday and Saturday, it's open till 9. And so... Like one thing at the Met is that there's lots of windows and lots of skylights. And so going when it's dark, it's it's like it's very it feels very dramatic and glamorous. Like the lighting is very different from mm, if you go during the day. It's pretty. It's often less crowded and the crowd kind of feels different. And it, it just has a different atmosphere. Like it almost feels illicit. Like it's, if it's mm. dark outside when I go in, it just feels like, ooh, you know, it's very mixed up files. And this is basically Frank Weller vibe. Yes, it's romantic. It is. And and I really I really like that they do this because I think it shows an institutional knowledge, which is like maybe for some people they can't come until later because they work long hours or for whatever reason. I just think it's it's like it just makes me really happy to be able to experience something that now I've experienced so many times, mm -hmm. but yet it still has new angles for yes. experience. I, it's interesting because you, so you set an intention to go to the Met every day for a year yeah. and then the year is up and you're doing it, you're just continuing on. Yeah. I, so I is this I the rest of your life you're going to Kind go? of, at least for now. I think it is kind of the rest of my life because I do, I just love it so much. And it's just very different doing it every day than just doing it some days. That's so cool. But it was fun. Like I told Eleanor, I, like she and a friend were, you know, wanted to do something and it's really cold here in new york city right now so i said well why don't you go to the met and they loved it so i i love going every day nice in every at every hour it's also fun to go really early yeah so that's making me good, happier good okay gretchen let's take a break and then when we get back we're going to talk about get back <laughs> um which i've already talked about but now you've watched it so we're gonna yeah. talk about why it's amazing <laughs> what we've learned from it, why we're obsessed with it, all things get back. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team and hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, Elizabeth, now quality screen time where we talk about a TV show or a movie that has been making us happier. And yeah, Elizabeth, whenever you tell me to watch something, I should just go ahead and watch it because you told me for years to watch Mad Men. And when I finally did, of course, I like couldn't watch it fast enough. You said about Get Back, you're like, you should watch it. I think you'll really love it. Yeah. And of course, the minute I started, I couldn't get enough. It's so good. Yes. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, Get Back is a three-part documentary series on Disney Plus that Peter Jackson did, who directed Lord of the Rings. And it is about the Beatles making the album Let It Be. Yes. Um, And the idea when they did it was that they were going to do a documentary of them recording this album, and then they were going to do a show at the end. They were planning to do a show on television. Yeah. Um, They hadn't been touring or playing... for a long time in public. So that was a deal. And Let It Be ended up being the last album that they released, although not the last album they recorded. Um, And so they had many, many hours of footage. And this is, I think, eight hours. And you and I both felt like we could have just watched it forever. Just I want to see every piece of footage. It's fascinating. But I will say this, if after 10 minutes, you're not interested, this is not for you. It doesn't change. It is watching the grass grow. Yes. I mean, on the one hand, they're doing it incredibly quickly because they're doing an entire album in like, what was it, 21 days or something? So in a way, it's intensely concentrated. But minute to minute, you feel the hours that they're feeling. Yeah. So if you don't like it right away, you're not going to like it three hours in. So feel free to bail, I would say. Yes, you're just watching the Beatles do their thing, basically. (laughs) And what you and I, I think, both loved about it is it's really seeing the creative process at the highest possible level. I mean, as you and I are both... Beatles fans casually. Like kind we of, like, yeah. the like, Beatles, like the Beatles. The average, of course, as one does. Yeah. Yes, but yeah. we are not Beatles obsessed. We don't know all no. the albums. No. We didn't know a lot of stuff before we watched this. No. I barely um, knew their names, like who was who. I mean, yeah. I knew John and Paul, but Ringo yeah. and George, I was like, I, you know, it took me a yeah. second. I knew, but I had to like think pause. about it. Yeah. Uh, but really, you're saying the creative process. And I was telling yeah. you, like, initially, how yeah. I. I loved that it reminded me of like the most amazing writer's room ever. Yeah, okay, so why is that? Tell me, what, what is it? I totally get that, but like yeah. spell that out. What What is it about it that reminded you of the writer's room? Well, one, it's, 
It's the stop and go nature of it. It's that someone yeah. says uh-huh. something and then somebody else goes, yeah. And then sometimes that clicks or somebody goes, yeah, but they really don't mean yeah. And they go yeah. in another direction yeah. and then they're talking and then suddenly someone starts talking about, or in their case, playing something completely different. Yeah. And everybody sort of goes down that road and gets yeah. maybe off of the creative, the the focus of what they're doing. Yeah. But then it always comes back around. So that is yeah. really what a writer's room is like. And these guys are just doing it like to the max where you can't believe they're actually writing these songs yeah. in front of you. Yeah. And you hear them like go down what you to us sounds like a wrong turn because you're like, that's not how Let It Be sounds. Or like, that's not what happens in... Uh, what's the song that you and I, Alyssa, were saying as our favorite oh, I got song a feeling. I got, I got a, a feeling. feeling. Like you see it going in all these different directions. But it's interesting, Alyssa, because it sounds like this might happen in the writer's room where it's sort of like, is someone going off track or are they not going off track? Like sometimes something right. that looks like a tangent is actually ends up being important. And so and, and you see them being frustrated, especially Paul, where it's like, are we staying on t- on task are we not staying on task? What does it look like to stay on task? Like, it's just, it's a creative paradox or tension, which is yes. when are you working and when are you goofing off? Because sometimes goofing off is what, what ends up being productive. And you see, you saw that happening with them. Yes. And what you also see happening, which also happens in writer's rooms and I'm sure all creative places is the egos and yeah. and and oh, fragile yeah. egos and yeah, like George Harrison, for instance, yeah. he actually ended up leaving at one point because I think yeah. he felt his voice wasn't being heard. Yeah, uh, and that's a big deal, you know, in yeah. the creative process is that people feel heard. At the same time, if you have someone in charge, and we're going to talk right. about the boss nature of it, yeah. uh, that person has to have the final creative say. Um, right. So that was the other thing I just found really interesting that all of them are so talented, but they still right. have. Fragile Fragile egos. Right. And right. I don't mean that I in know. a bad way. I mean, that's just being human. Right. They wanted to have each other's respect and they wanted to be listened to. And well, the other thing, it was interesting, and I, I know this from talking to you at the writer's room, is like there was a lot of humor. There was a lot of yeah. kind of clowning around and goofing off. And sometimes, again, it felt like, is this taking us off task? But then on the other hand, you're like, well, it really diffused the tension and alleviated the boredom of just the kind of the grinding, relentless nature of needing to like yes. do what it took to move these projects forward. And so I thought that was interesting to see how they how they would play around or, 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 or allow themselves to have those moments of lightness. Yes. Even where to me, like to me, like I had a stress dream while I was like, as I watched the documentary over a couple of days. I had a stress dream on one of the nights that like I was part of the process because uh-huh. you feel the deadline. And like in the documentary, they show you the pages being crossed off yes. of the calendar and you feel the weight of it happening. And you're like, you don't have time to goof off. But 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 I know better. I'm like, there is time to goof off because in the end, that's what helps a team work better. Well, a couple of funny things about that, Gretch. One I think it would be hard for you. You are such a task-oriented person. Yes. Yeah. I think you would have a hard time doing this, you know, being yeah, I, totally yeah, I so. 
in a yeah. collaborative environment like this because I think it would make you really stressed and uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Bring that out you my would, humorless and, side. I don't know you would enjoy <laughs> like being in a writer's room, for instance. And the other funny thing is like the deadlines, like yeah. I relate to this so much. And I think a lot of people do with needing a deadline yes. to get something done because yeah. this deadline was completely arbitrary. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They didn't release yes. the album, right, for months or however yeah. long afterward. It's not like they had to hit this date. And they weren't even sure they were doing this TV show and they didn't end up doing it. And then they were they could have just said, oh, let's just all come back in a month. Well, and even even the show, the live performance, it's like they ended up doing it on the own roof of their building. So they yes. didn't even had to have like the reservation. You know, they talked about various halls and, yeah. and places that they wanted to get that they ended up not getting. So in the end, you're right. It was all a fabrication. Like it was completely it was a goad that they could have disregarded at any time. And yet you did feel like it was really important that it was there, that he did give a yes. kind of urgency and focus to what they were doing. And there was like a tacit agreement yeah. to nobody state that they could just yeah. completely <laughs> ignore it. Yes. Because they yes. all had to buy into yes. this deadline. Yes. yes. But, you know, they were the Beatles. They could do whatever They're, they wanted. But yeah, everybody yeah. needs a deadline, or most of us do. You don't, but yeah. most do. I, I like not having a deadline. I feel like it stresses me out, but but that's unusual. And, you, but if you're collaborating, maybe you need a deadline. And then, Gretchen, one thing I've thought about in terms of just the creative process and the fact that, you know, they would redo something for hours and hours, you know, and they had to do hours. like 14 songs, yes. but they would get stuck working on the same song, yes. just the same verse over and yeah. over. And over like, wanting to perfect it. it. And it made me think of this uh, Yeats poem, part of this Yeats poem um, called Adam's Curse, about basically how poetry is really hard to write, but it needs to look easy. And I will read that section. It says, we sat together at one summer's end, that beautiful, mild woman, your close friend, and you and I, and talked of poetry. I said, a line will take us hours, maybe. Yet if it does not seem a moment's thought, our stitching and unstitching has been not. And that's the thing about when you see what the Beatles put into every song, and yet, you know, when you hear it on the album, it feels just so um, effortless. Yeah. That's really the artist at work. But also they had that relentless pursuit of quality. That was yes. what was so striking to me is they weren't willing to settle. Even when other people were like, it's good. I mean, I remember at one point Paul McCartney was like, well, it's kind of plotting. And I was like, well, uh -huh. that's pretty harsh on yourself. And then he said something like somebody said, oh, it's good. And he's like, it's good until you decide it could be better. Mm. And it's just this relentless pursuit. And then at the end, it just seems like, oh, it just falls yes. off their off their guitars yeah yes gretchen you know who else absolutely loves the get back documentary is our producer chuck who's been in an environment like this so oh, yeah chuck we want to get your take on get back yeah oh i loved every second of it yeah <laughs> go on and on so <laughs> well what struck you most of like just seeing their process. You know, it struck me as how low tech they were with it. You know, they were the biggest band in the world and they're tuning their own guitars and listening oh. through these crappy Fender PA speakers for their monitor system. And they're having their little bits of toast and tea right. and, you know, running around themselves. I, I thought that was pretty interesting when they could have had anything. Well, that's interesting because 
we felt though like they were very open to using new tools. Yes. Like they were mm-hmm. interested in all these different elements, but I guess they were doing it themselves as opposed to sort of stepping in. Yeah. Right. And and I was taking how George Martin was less involved than he had been in previous albums. Ah. But I would say that uh, Glenn Johns wins yes. the uh, wardrobe award. Yeah. The uh, engineer. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. so fun just seeing what they wore every day. It was. And, yes. and you saw, for instance, John Lennon one day came in and had clearly taken a shower and like dried his hair and he yes. like looked completely different. It was like, oh, John mm-hmm. yeah. showered. I know exactly. Yeah. I noticed it too. I was like, his hair is so light and fluffy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the coats, yeah. the coats were spectacular. They were great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was just so great to see their process in an era of the Beatles that was so uh, acrimonious, yeah. at least the, the, the memory of it or what people think yeah. of is that period. But it wasn't that bad. At the end, I was like sad. I was like, you don't have to break up. This is not that bad. You guys are having fun. Like you're jamming together. Like it, it, yeah, yeah, you didn't, you didn't feel like it was on the brink of a breakout at all. No, no, no. I know. I was sad too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to talk about things we learned, lessons learned from the Beatles documentary. The first is break. I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for ways for my son to get involved and give back in our local community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, is also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org students. That's lls.org students. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Well, I know with Eleanor, when she was struggling so much with math, if she had been able to do online learning at home, she would have been much better able to keep up with the class, and that would have just made the whole situation much easier for her. 
Don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And half your listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com happier. Visit IXL.com happier to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, let's just, so lessons we learned. I mean, you and I both felt like we took away sort of a lot of insights for ourselves from like these geniuses. And one thing I, I kept thinking of is, and you, you, you mentioned this earlier with Chuck, like uh, one of your things is step into the future. Yeah. And I kept thinking like they were so eager to learn new tools. Like at a certain point, different musical instruments came in, some even just like little tiny, almost kind of like whimsical instruments mm-hmm. came in and they would all crowd around and they were so curious and they would pass it around. Like they were so eager to like see what they could do. And then with the technology, like that's interesting that Chuck was saying it's, that they had their own hands on it. And they mm-hmm. kept saying like, these other bands have this or that, or we have, you know, we have eight tracks, but we want 20 tracks. And they were, they, to least to me, it seemed like they were very eager to learn how to bring new tools into their process where you might think, well, at a certain point, you maybe rest on your laurels and you're like, yeah. you know, what we do is good enough. And so we don't have to yeah. think about new ways or new elements. And so I thought that was interesting that they seemed very eager and enthusiastic. It was like it, it got them all yes. energized. Yes. Um, it wasn't like they weren't rolling their eyes. Uh, and I thought, well, that's good. Like, remember that good if you want to be creative. Yeah. It, creativity can thrive with new tools. And so embrace new tools. So that yes. made me think of Step Into the Future. What, what lessons did you learn? Well, the other thing that was interesting was how the dynamic changed when they brought yeah. in this keyboard player um, named Billy yeah. Preston. Yes. Um, it showed how bringing in yes. a new voice can completely change the dynamic. Um, yes. And it's interesting, again, for me right now in our writer's room, we're using a lot of freelancers. So where I'm actually experiencing that, where you have a vibe and then suddenly someone comes in and it's completely yes. different and it does yes. energize, you know, to yeah. have a new voice. Yeah. And they yeah. even commented on that. They did. They did. I think it was, I think it was, uh, I don't remember who was, it was, but one of them said, Billy, you've, you've really given us a lift. They mentioned yes. it to him in his face and they yeah. all ta- also talked about it. Um, when he wasn't there, just saying like they were very aware that he had energized them, and, and, and like when he walked in the room, he just sort of dropped by, and they like yeah. all sprang to their feet, <laughs> yeah. and like they, he was an old friend. But it is interesting to think like maybe you need a new collaborator, or you need to bring yeah. somebody else into the process to bring to change the atmosphere because he yeah, kind of he kind of changed the vibe among among the among the room. Yeah, I mean, I could see even if you were like doing something at work and like yeah. bring in um, someone from another department to just yes. get a new perspective, new eyes, yeah. just yeah. a new presence. Yeah, new presence because yeah. every personality matters. You know what also struck me, and, and at some points it kind of confused me is they had such a calm way of disagreeing that sometimes I was like, are they having a fight? Yes. Like, what? Like I don't understand because they're so, they would just say it so calmly. And even when, like, George left the group, yes. he didn't storm out. He didn't knock his chair over. No. He's just like, yeah. See you around the said, pubs. Yeah, I know, right? It just walked out. I was like, wait, what? Yes. And there were several scenes where they were really disagreeing, but they just had such a calm air. And to me, I, I thought, that was seemed very wise because it's like you can come back from that more easily than if people are like being very vehement and 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 cursing and and yes. and, and using a loud voice. It just it was all very and maybe I don't know if that's British kind of that understatement 
or it's just their personalities and their way of working together. But I thought there was a real lesson in that you yeah. can you can say your piece in just a very quiet way. And that also, I think it made it easier. Like at one point, Paul McCartney and George Harrison were, were arguing. And the fact that they were just answering each other calmly, I think, kept it more conversational than like mm-hmm. a big blowout. Yeah. And a takeaway for me from that too, which is interesting, is like they were old friends. Like yeah. oh, John and yes, Paul, yes, you know, yes. 13 and 14 years old got together. So Isn't that amazing? Yes. And I think amazing. what's interesting about that is they could have even had knockdown drag outs and still been able to come together. And so the fact that they didn't do that is interesting. Yeah. But also because they'd known each other so long and Sarah and I have this, we almost have a shorthand way to argue. You know what I mean? Mm. Because we've done it so many times that you kind of don't need to go there a lot. You can shorthand it so you can just, just kind of hand wave and, and be like let's stipulate that the fact that i said this half hour yeah, worth of exactly. stuff yeah, so anyway it's interesting but also like okay talking about you and sarah so sarah fain is your writing partner she has been for such a long time co-host of happier in hollywood and you've been friends since high school do you think that having that relationship going back really to childhood to the hometown Do you think that that is kind of like irreplaceable? I do. I really do because it's a trust. Like the Uh, trust you have in having known each other's families and grown up together. Yeah, same neighborhood. Yeah, you just, and and having all of these shared experiences at a certain age, you just cannot replace that. And that's why I kind of, I feel like the Beatles, again, from all of us watching this, were still at their core. They loved each other no matter what was going on because they had that childhood friendship. Right. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, you forget how young they were when they came together. I mean, they were they were young when they when that when all we came were, to an end. Yes. I mean, when the documentary, weren't they only in their late twenties? Yeah, yeah. 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 It's extraordinary. But okay, but again on this idea of how they related to each other, it was so interesting to me about this who is the boss? Mm. Do we need a boss? Yeah. Like there's this one part with when Paul McCartney said, I'm scared of me being the boss. I've been the boss for a couple of years. And he didn't want to be the boss, but he felt like he had to be the boss. Then at one time, Paul McCartney and John Lennon have a private conversation. And he's like, you're the boss. I'm the secondary boss. And John Lennon was like, not all the time. And Paul McCartney's like, yeah, all the time. So it's sort of like, who's the boss? And then in another time, Elizabeth, you had told me to watch out for this. They said they had this this leader, Brian Epstein, who died at 32. And at one point they said, who, what, what was his role, Elizabeth? What, what did, he was what did their Brian manager, Epstein? I believe. He was their manager. Yeah. Right? He was like this visionary manager who helped them from the very beginning. And, and at one point they say like, oh, it hasn't been the same since Mr. Epstein died. Because, you know, he, it would be so fascinating if we could see a documentary, an earlier documentary and see how, what role did he play for them? Because they, they seem to be missing that 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 like who's the boss mm-hmm. and wanting people wanting to be the boss not wanting to be the boss what it mean to be the boss i just thought that it reminded me of this this andy warhol quotation that i think about all the time where andy warhol writes when i think about what sort of person i would most like to have on a retainer i think it would be a boss a boss who could tell me what to do because that makes everything easy when you're mm-hmm. working and that's kind of what they needed they needed a boss on retainer yes yeah and they didn't have yes. that 
Fascinating. Now, on retainer is important. So you, you yes. only access them <laughs> when it's convenient for you. <laughs> exactly. Saturday exactly. afternoon, they're not there. Yeah, it's not, yeah. not, not a boss. It's a yeah. boss on retainer. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, so get back. Can't recommend it enough. I know. So, so good. Uh, I know. I this gives watch me a lot of leverage, Gretch. Next time I tell I, you to watch something... I'm, re- I'm going to remind you of this. Oh, honey, you, you, you've won my trust. Like now, yeah. like turn it on that night. But now let's have a spotlight on a tool. We love yes. to watch TV. We love to watch movies. And we also love to read. And so this episode, we're going to have a spotlight on tools that will help you to get more reading done because nothing makes us happier than getting reading done. That is true. So one thing is there is a free PDF called Reading Better Than Before, um, which is seven tips for getting more reading done. And I will post a link to that in the show notes. Elizabeth and I, we did a podcast episode because, of course, we did hashtag read 21 and 21. And in episode 310, we did a very special episode that is just full of our hacks and listener hacks about tips, strategies, approaches for getting more reading done. Um, It was so fun to collect those. Can I just say for anyone who just can't get reading done, please just try audiobooks because... Yeah, okay. Yes, get a pitch That is my... That's just... Yeah, that is my request is that please try audiobooks because I've had a really hard time reading just with having all this work and my head buzzing and spinning and audiobooks have really helped me up my reading. Absolutely. And when people say, does it count? Of course it counts. Yes, it does. It counts. Okay, now the quotation. I am going to read a quotation. I love the work of Christopher Alexander, an architect who writes a lot about sort of the philosophy of architecture. He has a, a book called The Timeless Way of Being, which I love. I actually love A Pattern Language more. I will put links to both of those. But this is an observation that he made from that book. He wrote, if I consider my life honestly, I see that it is governed by a certain very small number of patterns of events, which I take part in over and over again being in bed, having a shower, having breakfast in the kitchen, sitting in my study, writing, walking in the garden, cooking and eating our common lunch at my office with my friends, going to the movies, taking my family to eat at a restaurant, going to bed again. There are a few more. There are surprisingly few of these patterns of events in any one person's way of life, perhaps no more than a dozen. Look at your own life and you will find the same. It is shocking at first to see that there are so few patterns of events open to me. Not that I want more of them, but when I see how very few of them there are, I begin to understand what huge effect these few patterns have on my life, on my capacity to live. If these few patterns are good for me, I can live well. If they are bad for me, I can't. Mm. Of course, now all I want to do is write down my patterns and figure out my patterns. <laughs> so yeah. I'll report back to you what they are. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll swap. So, Elizabeth, are you feeling more happier? Yes, I am feeling more happier. Yay. Thank you to Chuck. And please get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin. I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Of course, our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. For everything related to this episode, go to happiercast.com. Bye, Gretch. Bye, Elizabeth. The best time to start a happiness project is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Are we supposed to keep doing stuff? I don't, yeah, I mean, check to sort of take us through different expressions. Yeah.
Yeah, I think it's just like if I'm talking and you're just paying oh, okay. really attention to what I'm saying, you know, and uh, they can cut away to one face. I'm saying something fascinating right now. I'm really fascinating, aren't I? Cut <laughs> <laughs> From the Onward Project. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well... Now it is on Homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.